We are in week number nine of our series that we're calling Upside Down, where we've just been walking through with Jesus uh, what we often refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And if you've been around, you know that Jesus is bringing some significant challenge to our lives as we begin to reflect on, do our lives, do our heart and our lives reflect the values of the kingdom of God? And as we hold up our lives to the teaching of Jesus, it's been challenging. Well, here's what I'm going to say today, is that Jesus is going to bring another challenge to us. He's going to bring a commandment to us three times in a row. But here's what I believe to be true, is that every one of us is going to say, I want to obey that. I want to obey that with everything in me. Because here's what Jesus is going to command us to do. He's going to say, do not worry. And every one of us, I think, man, if I could get rid of worry in my life, it would be so much better. Because I believe that we know in our hearts that worry is a thief. It is constantly stealing from us. It steals our sleep, keeps us up at night, steals our energy, steals just that sense of well-being that God would want us to have. It's not helpful. We know this. But we read the newspapers. We see what's happening in the world around us. Airplanes crash. Stock markets crash. Marriages crash. Terrorists terrorize. Worry is just this meteor shower of what ifs. What if all the things that could happen to me in my life? Because I know that the shoe's going to drop eventually. What if I don't close that sale? What if I don't pass the test? What if I can't afford braces for my kid? What if I never get married? What if the person that I'm married to never changes? What if my health goes bad? What if I don't get the job? I don't get the promotion. I don't get the raise. What if my prodigal child never comes home? It's just this, where's just this meteor shower of all these what ifs, all these things that can happen in life. And this is what we need to understand. Life is uncertain. We don't know what is going to happen to us tomorrow. Now, you might think that you know, but you don't. And here's what we can also think sometimes. If I just follow Jesus, if I just give my life to him, I surrender my life to him, then I'm exempt from all of the misfortunes that could possibly happen in my life. We're not exempt. We know that. But we also know that Jesus talks about this sense of peace that he wants us to experience. This idea of shalom. But we look at our life and there's anxiety underneath the surface. And so when we experience that, we know that there's something wrong. This life of peace, I'm not experiencing it. And then we start to feel guilty about the fact that we're worried. Because we're not living this life the way that Jesus wants us to live this life. And so this could just be this spiral, guilt, worry, guilt, worry. That's enough to stress us out and make us worry. Worry about our worry. I just want to say this topic, it's a little bit close to home for this pastor. A friend of mine once said, preach to your weaknesses and you'll never run out of things to say. I'm not run, I've not run out of sermons yet, but how do we deal with the worries, the fears, and the anxieties that every one of us is experiencing. 
Maybe this could be our answer. Let's watch this together. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Easy enough. Stop it! Stop worrying. We can just pray and go home now, huh? I've got to tell you, I said that at the 8.30, and a little kid that was right there was like, yeah! <laughs> I thought we were going to have to go home because I completely lost it. But as we've been talking about this Sermon on the Mount, it's not just about behavior modification on the outside. It's not just about stopping it. It's about something happening on the inside. God needs to transform us from the inside out. You see, the reason that Jesus is talking about worry 2,000 years ago is because worry has been around as long as people have been around. And the only hope that we have of overcoming worry in our life is that we need to understand God's perspective. We need to see him the way that he wants us to see him, and we need to see our own life the way that he wants us to see our own lives. And maybe just to set up the context a little bit, because what we talked about last week is really important in terms of what Jesus is going to talk about here. Because last year, he, last year, felt like a year ago, huh? What he was talking about last week, we were talking about treasures. Two different treasures that we can give our life to. There's treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. And the treasures on earth, we're talking about money and stuff and reputation and the things that this world values. But what Jesus said 
is that those things can be here today and gone tomorrow. They're uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen with those things. But he also talked about treasures in heaven, things that can't be taken away, things that are actually eternal, things that aren't uncertain. Now, you might be sitting here today and like, you're saying, ah, future's not uncertain to me. I've got it figured out. I've got control of everything. I've got my 401k. I've got my day timer. I've got a plan. I've got a future set for me. If you think that life isn't uncertain for you and that you've got it under control, you are living an illusion. Maybe maybe life isn't radically different every day, but life is always uncertain. And if you live long enough, you're going to have curveball after curveball after curveball that comes in your life. Life is always uncertain. But here's the good news. Jesus says, in light of what we talked about last week, even though life is uncertain and it will always be uncertain, he has the boldness to say, you don't have to worry anyway. Even though it's uncertain, you don't have to worry. But it's only possible, only possible if we begin begin to see our life the way that God sees our life. And that's what Jesus is going to try to help us understand this week. How does God want us to see our life? Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. That is why, referring to what we talked about last week, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? What Jesus is trying to say there is lift your eyes. Don't allow your life to be compartmentalized into just the stuff of this earth. He's saying lift your eyes. See something bigger that's happening in this world. See something bigger. See me. See what it is that I am doing in the world. And then he gives us a couple of illustrations to help us understand how he wants us to see our life in light of his reality, the upside down reality. Verse 26, he continues. He says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? A simple request of Jesus. Just look at the birds. Here's what we can notice about birds. Have you ever noticed that birds don't have 401ks? They don't trust in those things. Birds aren't sitting around scared to death. I'm going to have to move back into the nest with my parents because I can't find a job. Birds don't do that. Birds don't lay awake at night wondering... Am I going to find a cute little chickadee to spend the rest of my life with? Birds don't stress about those things. You know what birds aren't? Birds aren't helicopter parents with their kids. They don't make them wear helmets and bubble wrap everywhere where they go to protect them from anything that could happen. In fact, think about how birds parent. They just get those little babies right to the edge of the nest. Boom! Kick them off. It's like fly or fall. Interesting parenting strategy. 
but he's saying, look at the birds. But then he uses a Jewish rhetorical device where he argues from the lesser to the greater. Think about birds. If God cares for the birds, if he knows what's happening with the birds in that way, how much more will he care for you? How much more? See, in the created order, we as people, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. When he made us, he made us in a very special way. He made us to bear his image. Nothing else in all of creation can say that, but God says we bear his image. We are made like him, to reflect him, so that we can have a relationship with him. We hold a special place in God's world. He cares about you. But friends, you've got to hear this. It's easy to say, yeah, well, well, God cares about people when we think about just people in general. But you've got to hear this. God cares about you specifically. You and you and you and you. God sees you. God knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows every detail of your life. And he knows the things that are keeping you up at night. He wants you to know, I see it and I care. So you don't have to worry. But then Jesus asks a rhetorical question. Verse 27. He says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Does worry make your life longer? No, let's be honest. Worry probably actually makes our life shorter. Just the the things that happen to us physiologically, health-wise, because of stress and worry. It doesn't make our life longer. It probably makes our life shorter and diminishes the experience of that life that we have. Jesus is trying to help us get our mind around worry is futile. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't change anything. But we know that. We know that worry doesn't actually change reality, but yet we still worry. Worry, so many times, the things that we worry about, the things that occupy our heart and our mind, they actually never happen. They never actually materialize. But then Jesus goes on to give another illustration that mirrors the first about the birds. He wants us to look at something else. Flowers. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Jesus gives us this second illustration because I think he wants our minds to grab it with everything that we can. If God cares more about us than anything else that he created, he, he can take care of you. God can take care of you. But here's where I think we get stuck. 
I think we don't push back much until we get to this spot. We can look at it and just say, yes, I believe that all of that is true. I believe that God can do all of those things. But I just don't know if he will. I think he's got the potential to do those things, but I just don't know if he will. And what Jesus is doing as he brings that to the surface is he's opening up the hood of our life and he's putting his finger on something in our heart that he wants us to see and that he wants us to understand. What is the issue of worry? This is what Jesus says to all of us worriers out there as he opens up the hood of our life and looks at our heart. Verse 30, why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? It's kind of interesting. The word that Jesus used there that we translate, why do you have so little faith? is actually a noun type word that just means little faiths. It's like Jesus, some of the commentators are saying that Jesus is looking at his disciples, those closest to him, and it's almost like he's gently teasing them about their lack of faith. Not angry, not pointing his finger, but just saying, you of little faith. You're just little faith ones. What he wants us to get from that, though, is that worry, it is a reflection of our faith. Worry says as much about how we view God than it is about how we view the circumstances of our life. You see, worry's just a symptom. Worry's just a symptom of something deeper in our life that we need to address, and it's the issue of faith. I think about worry in this way. I think about those cool little lights that are on the dashboard of my car. Now, I'm not one of those mechanical type people that just, I can listen to a car and know that there's something wrong. Not that guy, for sure not that guy. But I love those little, sometimes people call them idiot lights. They tell you what's happening underneath the hood. A light will come on to tell you, hey, your battery's not charging. Hey, your oil pressure is too low. Hey, your temperature is too high. These lights help us know that there's something under the hood that needs to be paid attention to. Now, you can ignore it if you want to. You can just put an envelope over them and try to pretend that they don't exist but it's not gonna be helpful for the long run. Worry is a dashboard light for your life. Jesus is saying, hey, when you're experiencing those emotions of worry, that anxiety, that lack of peace, you need to look beneath the surface. You need to look under the hood. You need to look at faith because there's something that you're missing. You're either not seeing God correctly or you're not seeing your life correctly. Worry is a reflection of our faith. I said last week that it was always my dream to teach math and physics. So I imagine that if Jesus was teaching a bunch of math students and he wanted them to understand the principle that he's talking about here, is he would simply say this to them. Worry is inversely proportional to faith. Make sense to everybody? If it was an equation, it would look like that. Worry is equal to one over faith. All you need to understand about that equation is that if faith gets really, really small, what happens to worry? It gets really, really big. But when faith gets really, really big, what happens to worry? It gets really, 
really small. Worry is a reflection of our faith more than it is a reflection of our circumstances. Worry shows us what do we worship? What is it that we can't live without? What is it that we worship? Jesus is going to tell us that if we're going to change this in the deep places in us, we've got to change what we worship. Worry is about our faith. We've got to have faith in something other than the stuff of this life. We've got to seek something else. And Jesus tells us what it is that our heart needs to seek. Verse 31. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Here he says it. Seek the kingdom. Set your heart on the kingdom. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. You see, once again, Jesus in this, these, this kingdom stuff around the Sermon on the Mount, he's always talking about two kinds of lives. And here he's contrasting the lives between unbelievers and believers. And he's saying there should be a difference in how you live. If you are an unbeliever, someone who doesn't know who God is, doesn't know what he's like, then Jesus is saying, your mind is gonna be consumed by the stuff of this earth because that's all there is in your mind. But Jesus is saying, if you know better, if you are a follower of me, you realize who God is and what he's like, your life should be very, very different. You're not chasing the stuff of this earth, you're chasing the things of the kingdom, things that can't be taken away in the uncertainty of life. Because we know this life is not all there is. This life isn't it. When I first came to faith in Christ as a college student, uh, there were just so many things in my life that I was so anxious about, so much worrying. But I'm trying to just figure out how to follow Jesus during that time. But the place where I would find myself being the most anxious was around tests and my grades. Because here's how I thought, I have got to do well on this test. Because if I don't do well on this test, I will not do well in this class. And if I don't do well in this class, I will not get a good GPA. And if I don't get a good GPA, I will not get a great job. And if I don't get a great job, I will not make lots of money. Do you see what it was? It was just everything was about this earth. I was just so committed to those things. My whole identity was wrapped up in the stuff of this earth. But as I began to start to think about, there's more. There's more than this stupid test as it relates to my life. Here's what I started to do. Just to try to help myself understand that there's a bigger picture. When I would sit at my desk, I would take out of my pen like I'm vandalism here, but I would write on my desk, not my home. And then I would write over it again, not my home. And I would just keep writing over and over and over again, reminding myself, I know this isn't it. Someday I'm not gonna care 
what I got on this exam. I have no idea what I got on my exam. Nobody cares what my grade point average was. But I had to remind myself there's something bigger than this life. Friends, I think we need to have reminders like that in our life. Now, maybe you're not going to vandalize a desk up at MSU, but there's probably something that you need to do that will cause you to lift your eyes when there's anxiety and worry in your life. Maybe it's just a, a sticky note on the dashboard of your car that just says, this isn't it. There's more to life. There's more to life than just the stuff of earth. Jesus says, we say no to the stuff of earth, but yet we actually have to pursue something else. He says, you have to seek the kingdom. Unbelievers chase the stuff of this world, but he says, seek the kingdom. We've been saying this over and over, and I hope you're getting it. What is the kingdom of God? We've defined it multiple times as the rule and the reign of God. It's where God's will happens, where what he wants done happens. Another way of saying seek the kingdom is to say put your life on God's agenda, not your own agenda. It's not about what you want. It's not about the stuff of this earth. The big picture is about him and what he's doing. If I could boil it down to just one word, it would be the word surrender. Just simply surrender your life to God's agenda. God takes full responsibility for the life that is fully surrendered to him. God takes full responsibility. When we put our life in his hands, God takes full responsibility for a life that is fully surrendered to him. As Jesus closes this section, he actually says something that it's kind of a little bit of a dose of reality, but we've got to hear it so we're not confused about what worry is all about. Matthew 6, verse 34. The last time he says, commands again, he says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You've got to hear that, friends. Today's Trouble is enough for today. What is Jesus saying? He's saying it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not. You are not exempt from the troubles of this world. To be free from worry is not equal to being free from trouble. Jesus says you will have trouble in this life. It's a promise that we don't quote or tattoo on our arms but it is a promise. We will have trouble in this life. Just take care of the trouble that you have today. Don't worry about the uncertainties of tomorrow, but take care of the worries that you have today with all you've got. That's all we have the energy to take care of today's trouble. So in this section, in Matthew 6, Jesus talks to us about worry and how to deal with it. But in Matthew 26, at the end of his life, he actually shows us what does it look like to live this out. At the end of his life, Jesus is coming to that place where he knows what's coming. He knows that the end is near, that he's going to be stretched out 
hung on a cross. He's going to bear in and of himself the weight of the sin of the world. He's going to die the death that we deserved to die in our place. And here's what he says as he's moving toward that. The text records this interaction that he has with the Father in the garden. Verse 36, then Jesus went with them, his disciples, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. Listen to this. And he became anguished and distressed. His guts are turning on the inside, kind of a picture of worry and anxiety. And he says to them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. But he went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. There was something in him that just said, these circumstances are too hard. I don't want to go through it. God, if there is any other way, that's what I want. But Jesus modeled for us, what does it look like to seek the kingdom? It looks like seeking the kingdom when you look up to heaven and you say what Jesus said. He said, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus showed us. We seek the kingdom when we let go of our agenda for our life. And we surrender and we place ourselves under the leadership and the lordship and the authority of Jesus. And we say, not my will, but your will be done. And when we do that, we surrender our life to a father that cares. He cares what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your life. He understands what's going on in your life. And although to us, the future seems very uncertain, it's not to him. He knows. It's not uncertain to him. It is so smart. It is so smart of us to put our life in his hands. Because Jesus wants us to understand it's that faith and that trust as it gets big that removes worry from our life. But how do we do that? If to lessen worry in our life, we need to grow our faith, how do we grow our faith? This is what I want you to think about. I want you to think about rocks. There's some application blanks on the bottom of your notes page if you're taking notes. There's three things related to rocks that I think we've got to have in our mind. The first one is we've got to reflect on the rock. And in this case, when I say the rock, I'm talking about him. I'm talking about God. He is our rock. We can put our life on him. The future is not uncertain to him. We can trust him. Even though it seems uncertain to us, it is not to him. We can place our faith in him and his character. Friends, that's why we encourage you to read the scriptures. Think about who God is and what he's like. He doesn't change. We can put our life on the rock. The second thing that we need to do with rocks is that we need to remember the rocks. 
Here's what I want you to think about. There's this cool story in the Old Testament where God leads the nation of Israel across the Jordan River at flood stage. Miraculously, the water is stopped and they walk through on dry land. But here's what God does. He says, I want you to take one person from every tribe and I want you to grab a rock out of the middle of the river and I want you to take it to the other side and I want you to build a memorial to remind yourself what I did this day. Remember the rocks. And when your kids ask you, you will point back and say, this is what God did. We can trust him. Remember the rocks. I don't know what that looks like for you. What does it look like for you to remember the rocks? Maybe it's a journal where you begin to write down What are the ways that I've seen God show up in my life that I can look back on and just say, yes, he was there. He showed up. So when I look at the uncertainties of the future, I can say, he is good. God cares. This week I had the blessing of being with my journey community and we took communion together. And as we celebrated communion, what we did as we went around and served one another is we asked each person, Would you just look back and would you share a story of how God broke through in your life in some way? And then I want you to share a story of a place where you need God to break through in your life. And it was amazing to me what was happening in my own soul as people shared ways that God had shown up in their past. They weren't even my stories, but they were affecting my faith. I just kept hearing those and I'm like, yes, God is good. We need to remember the rocks. We need to tell the stories. Tell them to each other. Remind each other. Remember the rocks. And the last thing that we need to do with rocks is we need to release the rocks. Release the rocks. Here's what I mean by that. If you think about all the rocks in your life. And in this case, these rocks are representing worries and concerns, anxieties that you have in life. There's no way that I could try to pick all these up and carry them. There's no way that I could do that. Jesus doesn't want us to carry the rocks. He wants us to release them. Here's how Peter said it. 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, give all your worries and cares to God. All the rocks in your life, he's saying, put them at my feet. Leave them there. I can carry them with you and for you. Release the rocks. As I was reflecting on this this week in preparation for this sermon, I actually just tried to do this in a practical way. I just sat there and I just made a list In my mind, God, what are all the worries and concerns, the uncertainties of the future that I'm wrestling with right now? And I just named them. I tried to name all of them that I could think of. And then I began to think, God, what can I do today? Today has enough trouble of its own. What is the trouble that I need to carry today? And I named it. And I said, God, help me carry this today. The rest of these, Jesus, you've got to carry them for me. I can't do it. I can't tell you, friends, what it felt like to just in that tangible way, release the rock. You say, God, I can't carry it. And he said, you're not supposed to. Bring them to me. 
If we're gonna grow our faith, we've gotta reflect on the rock. He is the rock. We need to remember the rocks. We need to remember all those places that God has shown up in our life. And if you're here today and you're just thinking, I'm brand new to faith in Jesus. I don't have a history. You do know that he died for you on Calvary. The cross is one of the greatest ways for us to think about and remember what God has done for us. And we need to release the rocks. We need to put them at his feet. We can't carry them. Friends, we just can't carry them. I want to just ask everyone to set your things aside. And I just want to give you an opportunity to just reflect, remember, and release. Just ask God right now, as they come and play a little music, ask God, what is it that you want me to hear from you today? And what is it that you want me to do? Jesus, thank you for your scripture. Thank you that as we read this, we can understand and see what it is that you want us to see. How it is that you want us to see you in light of everything that's happening around us. Lord, and even how you want us to see ourselves in light of everything that's happening around us. God, would you make that picture more and more clear? Would you grow our faith so that we can trust you? You are the rock. Thank you for all the ways that you've shown up in our lives. We want to remember those and recount those and share those with each other. And Jesus, I just want to say thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light because there's things that you just don't want us to carry. You want us to give them to you. You want us to set them at your feet. Lord, we release those things to you. The future is uncertain to us, but it's not to you, so we trust you with all of the future, all of the uncertainties. And Jesus, it's in your powerful and risen name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.